0: You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit CrosspointChurchTX.org. Well, hey, good morning. Y'all are going to stay in the dark. This is a whole new thing that we're trying out. Did it work? All right, there you go. You're like, what in the world? New year, new things. How many of you have already messed up your new things of the year? Your new goals, your new resolutions like you've missed today at the gym? If you've missed me, I'm sorry. I'm going like really, really early in the morning before most of y'all are up. Oh man, new year, new things. We set these goals, resolutions. They're all good things. Um, Even this week, I was read and listen to the different deals. And, um, it's now the research tells us 66 days to a new habit becomes like a part of your life. I know originally like people were like, Hey, it takes 20 days. And I tried that it didn't work. So it's 66 days. So I mean, 66 days in a row to the gym, 66 days in a row, writing a check, 66 days in a row, making a phone call. You know what I mean? Like you've got to get that thing and it grains it into your mind and you create a new highway, neurological highway in your brain. Um, I'm I'm a nerd in this whole thing of productivity, time management, all that kind of stuff. And um, even if you go to my office, it's full of those type of books. And so I've read quite a few of them over the years. And uh, one of them is The Power of Habit which is a kind of a contemporary classic by Charles Duhigg. And it talks a lot about the neuroscience of what takes place. And we'll talk about something like that ever. Uh, Michael Hyatt, who was the publisher at Tyndale, has written several books. One is um, Your Best Year Ever. And another one is Living Forward and kind of setting a path, charting a path for yourself and kind of setting the directions of your sails with the whole power of the Holy Spirit and moving you in the direction of Christ. Um, Some of y'all remember the old days, this guy named Dale Carnegie. You remember that? Winning friends and influencing people. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this and I was um, about second grade. I remember actually my dad as an executive going to this Dale Carnegie thing and hearing that like winning friends and influencing people. And what does that mean? It's an interesting read and something to think about. Um, Stephen Covey. Seven habits, right? There's even ones for even kids now. You can put, give one to your toddlers and they can figure out the seven habits that they need. I mean, there's like all these different things with that. Uh, John Maxwell, he's a pastor. He's written a lot about leadership and he would say leadership is influence. If you look, think you're a leader and you turn around and no one's following you, then you're not really a leader. Alright, and there's a lot of people like that. And then, uh, David Allen. Getting things done, like your day-to-day task and all that kind of stuff. How many of you um, will do something, then write it down and check it off? Yeah, so you're a David Allen fan. You didn't even know it. So he tells you, hey, block your stuff, like time blocking. Do the things that you need to do that are similar and all the different kinds of stuff. There's a guy named Kerry Newhoff who's written a book called At Your Best. And again, based on neuroscience, they tell us that we have natural biorhythms, which we know. Like how many of you fall asleep after lunch? Okay, so that's part of your natural biorhythm, all right? One of it is you probably had too many carbs, okay? But then also that's kind of your deal. And so don't plan important things during that red zone is what he would call it. And so plan the things that you wanted, that you needed, that are most important, that you're best at during your green zone. And so for many people, that's like first thing in the morning. Um, Or your yellow zone, you can do some things, but don't make important decisions in your yellow or your red zone. See, this is kind of stuff I'm nerding out. This is all free for you. All right. Um anyway, there's a whole bunch, but all these different things, if I were to boil down all the different advice, and most of these guys are actually believers, they're Christians, but they're thinking about what does it look like to live your best life in Christ. It's not just to be productive, but it's like, hey, listen, we have this idea that we're created in the image of God and God has given us the responsibility to maximize the time we have on earth. How can we do that? And do that well and love our families and all the different things that we want to do in Christ. And so they've boiled down, if I were to boil down all the different stuff and what does it mean to be successful, I would say this. Successful people consistently do what other people do occasionally. Successful people consistently do what other people do occasionally. I occasionally go to the gym. I consistently eat well. You see the difference? The fruits of your labor will therefore show. Okay, all right, there you go. That's all. That's the sermon for today. See y'all. You're good. No, here. Successful people. I mean, we we think about successful people, and we think about, hey, there's a wealthy person. We think about, you know, someone that's famous. We think about maybe an elite athlete, and we have this idea of that's what success is. And then if you were to look at the people around you in the seats, you may not go, hey, they're successful. Well, one, that's an assumption. You don't know if they're successful or not because you have your own definition of success, and they have their own definition of success. And so in their life and the plans that they have for themselves, they may be very successful. So don't assume what their success is. And then we need to define what success is. As followers of Jesus, we need to define success according to Scripture. And so these next few days, but particularly today, we're going to think about this idea of what does it mean to be successful in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, that we should need to set daily reminders to pursue heavenly success by setting our sights to determine what God determines as success. So we're going to start in Luke, Luke, Colossians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, whether um, it's going to be on the screen, it's going to be on your phone, wherever you want it, um, in the program online. As you're finding your place, Colossians is written by Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. And the reason that he's writing this in Colossians chapter 3, he uses this term, heavenly realities, to set your sight on heavenly realities. And the reason that he uses that term is because he's writing to the church at Colossus who are dealing with false teachers. And these false teachers are using this idea of, hey, we have received a heavenly dream and they're using that mindset. They're using that heavenly dream to give their teaching extra weight or extra authority. All right. They didn't come from Paul. They didn't come from any of the other apostles where they would have had of authority. They weren't sent by them. They were sent by themselves to teach something that they could gain from. And they were using saying that, hey, we have heavenly dreams that give us authority to teach. That makes sense? So they're a representative of those things. And so Paul turns their language upside down and shows this is what heavenly success is. These guys are false teachers. They're talking that they have heavenly dreams. I'm going to tell you the truth about what heavenly dreams should produce produce in our lives and what true success is. So if you have your bibles Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 1 it says this Since you've been raised to new life with Christ Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Now, one of the things you need to know is this realities means that it's true. So just like this table here that I'm touching, this is true. This is a reality. This is not false. This is not made up. This is not a hope. Paul is using very strong language saying, listen, the things of heaven are real. They are tangible. You can touch them. We can't touch them and see them now, but they are very real. All right. So set your eyes on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So what does it mean to set our sights on heaven? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, this idea of transform, we get the word metamorphosis from that. And so metamorphosis is the idea that there's a caterpillar that's going along. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in his maturation, he cocoons. And when he cocoons, somewhere, however long he's in the cocoon, he's preparing himself to be a butterfly. And so what Paul is telling us is that whenever we say yes to Jesus... We go into a cocoon. We are transformed. We are metamorphed. And once before, we used to be have a perspective of a caterpillar. But through our cocoon and through the transformation of Christ, we come out and we have a new perspective. So the caterpillar who used to have earthly thoughts, right? They're down here thinking like this. Now in Christ, we are like a butterfly. We fly and we have a whole new perspective and view of the world. We see things differently. We think about the world differently because our perspective has changed because of the metamorphosis that has happened through Christ. Metamorphosis happens from the inside out. And so Paul is using a very practical illustration to show us that we in Christ, whenever we say yes to Christ, the spirit of God takes residence with inside of us and begins to change us from the inside out. And so the things that we see, the things that we think about, the way that we love, the the way that we care, the way that we do things changes because of the metamorphosis of Christ. One of the interesting things about metamorphosis is there's a little bitty hole at the top of the cocoon that lets a little bit of light in. And so while the caterpillar is changing, it's extremely dark, but they have hope because there's a little bit of light. And so they struggle, they fight, they do what they can to get out of the cocoon because they want to fly. They want There's something in them that wants to change. And so as they're struggling to get out of the cocoon to get to that light, they're actually strengthening themselves so that when they do break out of the cocoon, they can fly. So if we were to think that we were being compassionate and come along and to, to clip the cocoon to let the butterfly out, we would actually be doing it a disservice because it needs to have just that little bit of light and the struggle in the cocoon so it can function in fullness and its full capacity outside of cocoon. But it's the struggle that makes that happen. And there's times in our own life where we're praying, God, get me out of this. And the only thing we can see is this little bit of light and God's like, hey, listen, I need you. I've placed you in this place so that you can struggle and grow and that when you come out, you have a new perspective. And so here Paul is saying that we need to be metamorphed, We need to be transformed into a new person by changing the way that we think. And then when our, changing has, when our thinking has changed, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is this good and pleasing and perfect. Our behaviors, our behaviors are the result of what we believe and what we think. We do things, we act because of what we believe. Parents, you know this, your kids make decisions based upon the way they think. As adults, we make decisions based upon the way that we think. We think we're not good enough, we think we're not smart enough, we think we're not talented enough, we think, and so because we think that way, we act that way, And here what Paul is telling us is that if we set our sights on the heavenly things, the heavenly realities, and through Christ as he begins to transform our way of thinking and metamorphosis us, the things that used to give our life worth, the things that used to give our life value, the things that used to give weight to us now have little to no meaning because now in Christ our eyes are set on different things. We think about things, we think about people differently than what we used to. You act and you live and you do from the core values that you hold. We move toward what we are focused on. One of the things that I learned as a receiver back in the day, I know now I look like a lineman, but I wasn't. I was actually the smallest guy on the team. And so um, one of the things we learned early on as a receiver, as you're running, you have your pattern, you're doing your different thing. And then when you turn your head to look for the ball, guess what happens? When you turn this way, you begin to, Fade or to drift. Why? Because you've changed your focus. Our focus, we always go to what we're focused on. Our actions take us to what we're focused on. If you don't like your physical fitness, focus on it. Make adjustments so you can get the preferred results. If you don't like your financial fitness, focus on it. Make changes. Do the things that are necessary. If you don't like your relationship fitness... Make the changes. Even recently, I did a funeral um, for family, and it's one of those things. I do quite a few funerals for people that I don't know. Okay? So I get called quite a bit to be like, hey, this this." person or this family. They don't have a church home, whatever. And so I will do those funerals because my desire is to meet people where they're at. And so that they might hear the good news of the gospel. And then also that they might want to consider being a part of the family here. And so anyway, so I did one of those recently. And as I was talking to the family, I said, Hey, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your grandfather. And they're like, actually, um, you know, he just passed away. He was 70 and he just came back into my life 18 months ago. I was like, Oh man, that's, that's horrible. And so, so, so do you know anything about him? And like, no. For the last 18 months, I've actually never met him in person. For the last 18 months, we've only talked via phone. Okay. And so they began, you know, talking a little bit. And um, here's things that other people have told me that know a little bit about him. And, um, and then even to the point of like, so tell me anything. And they're like, hey, listen, the only thing that I can really think about that really kind of just settles, and I don't know even what, but I'd ask, hey, do you do you want us to come down and do you want to meet your grandkids for Christmas this year? And he said, no. And I thought, listen, and at the funeral, there were about seven people. And I thought, listen, after 70 years of life, the investment in others shows. What we invest in, we reap the rewards of. So if you're not happy with your physical fitness, invest in it. If you're not happy in your financial fitness, invest in it. Did you know that if you don't put money in your bank account, there's not money there when you go to the ATM? (laughs) Did you know that if you don't have friends, it's because you're not a friend? Because you haven't invested? We get back. There's this scriptural idea you Reap what you sow. If you do not sow, what do you reap? Nothing. It shouldn't be shocking. Simple truths, and we don't do it. And so here God says, listen, I have come to transform your thinking so that you can have the most of life. Most of us will not make a change until the pain of not changing is more than the pain of staying the same. Most of us will not make a change until the pain of not changing is more than the pain of staying the same. It's just our human nature. Matter of fact, one of the books that I mentioned earlier, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, they did some neuroscience studies and they talked about a keystone habit that, that you want to change. And so we'll, here we'll talk about brushing your teeth. How many of you all love brushing your teeth? All of you should say yes, please. All right. Changing. And so what the neuroscientists have studied is that, that maybe you want to have a bigger goal of changing something like you want to stop smoking. Well, the way to even be able to do that is most of our brains are resistant to change and to new habits, but that if you will make a smaller change, like, hey, I'm now going to brush my teeth on a daily basis, that they've done brain scans and they've gone in and that it reshapes your brain and it opens up paths. So where there used to be a blockade, now there's a funnel that opens. And so through, hey, I'm going to brush my teeth on a daily basis, now opens up your brain to the capacity and the opportunity to not only brush your teeth on a daily basis, you might even floss on a regular basis, and then you might even give up smoking. But it starts with a small change. And so these are things of God take a small step to change. And so even now science is telling us that we need to change our thinking, and that slowly happens on the inside, and that our neurological paths have to be reset. Because most of us, if not all of us, will not make a change until the pain is enough of staying the same to move on. So verse 3, for you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. He's given us an, an image of baptism that once we were dead, now we are buried with Christ, and we identify with his death. And in that, now we are raised to a new life. We're a new person. We're a new creation. Verse 4, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So set your sights on heavenly things, because in Christ you have a new life. And this is a daily habit of resetting your sight. So Jesus went away on a regular daily basis to reset his sight. He went away to pray. So for us, it's like going to the eye doctor every single day and saying, Okay, eye doctor, put me in front of that crazy looking machine and and get our eyes focused clearly on the heavenly realities. And out of that, production of spiritual fruit will happen. So Paul continues this thought of heavenly realities and he shows us the opposite. He kind of gives us this hall of mirrors idea, distorted humanity. Any of y'all been to the carnival and you walk into that room of mirrors and they're all like, hey, now you're short and skinny. And now you're, really, or, you're tall and skinny and you're short and really weird fat and you're distorted and all that different kind of stuff. And so Paul says, if you live your life according to earthly things and earthly values, it's like living your life in a hall of mirrors. And that it's always, the shapes are always shifting. And so culture's always changing. We know that. And if we're like, hey, I want to be like this. Hey, I want to be like this. Hey, I want to be like that. Then it's like walking and living in a hall of mirrors. And you're never, you're always trying to get your body to get your stuff to align with, with a moving target. And so Paul is giving us two options. You can live your life according to how the world does, and it's a hall of mirrors, or you can live your life according to the word of God, which is a mirror that never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so every time we look at the word of God, he's consistent. We're the ones that go, oh yeah, okay, God needs to do a little chiseling here. God needs to do a little transformation here. And so it's much easier for us to live according to the word of God that doesn't change rather than the culture that's always shaping and shifting differently. So here Paul is drawing upon that distinction, verses 5 through 11. He says, so put to death, this is an imperative command for you in Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, it's an imperative command to put to death what? The sinful earthly things living within you or lurking within you. Here he's giving us doctor language. How many of you are doctors? Okay, don't show your hands. All right. We do have doctors here. But what doctors do is they see something that is dying, you would say like gangrene, right? And so when you see something that has gangrene, if you've ever seen pictures, it turns, it's black, it's nasty looking. And so a doctor looks at that and he goes, or she goes, hey, we need to do something about that. And most of the time it's not, let's just kind of see how long this is going to go. What do they say? We need to cut this off. Lop it off. Why? Because if you don't, then it's going to keep growing. The death will continue to grow. And so here Paul is using doctor language and he says, put to death, cut off that thing which is causing death with inside of you. That you need to specifically get to that point and root it out. If you have cancer... They go in and they take out that spot and remove it. They get to the roots of it and remove it, because if you don't, then it's going to come back. It's going to cause more harm. And so Paul is using that doctor-type language, and he says, listen, the things of earth will cause death. Lop them off. Cut off the supply line to the things that cause death in your life. As Christians, we have the responsibility... To cut off the things that are defeating us, the sin that's cutting. Because each one of us is different. We're each tempted by different things. We need to decide, hey, do I need to pull out an eye? Do I need to cut off an arm? Do I need to remove a foot so that I can move? It's better to, to walk with a limp than to not walk at all. To cut off those things. Continuing on. Have nothing to do with, and here Paul gives us two vice lists. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. That's the word that we get a pornography. We know what that is. Impurity, which is eyes looking for physical and, and uh, physical pleasure and satisfaction. Lust, which is a lack of self-control and evil desires. Don't be greedy. Greedy is a um, uncontrolled desire for more and more. A great illustration of this is the day after Christmas. Everybody had a list of the things they wanted for Christmas and you got them. And the next day you're like, eh, well, is that it? Is that all this little phone thing does? Is this all this little thing? Okay, I've played with it for 24 hours. Uh, what's next? That's that spirit of greediness. There's never, we're never satisfied. We're always seeking for more. And so a greedy person someone who consistently lives in that is actually an idolater. They're worshiping the things of this world instead of the creator. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. In other words, when you were a caterpillar, your perspective was this, and you thought these things would be satisfied. But now in Christ, you have a different perspective, and you see things differently, and you realize that those things don't bring satisfaction. That people are chasing after things, and you're like, why are they pursuing these things? Why do they think these things will bring satisfaction? It's because you have a different perspective in Christ. But now is the time, verse 8, but now is the time to get rid of, here's the second vice list. First, he's given us ones that are sexual in nature. Now he's giving us ones in speech. The second vice list is get rid of anger, which is like a smoldering fire. And then because what? If the smoldering fire wind catches it, what happens? The smoldering fire becomes... A forest fire. And what does that look like? That looks like rage. So think of the idea of a Hulk, right? He's there, he's doing life, and then all of a sudden something triggers, and what happens? He looks like Pastor Chris. Hulked out. Good, I like that. That's, that's good laughter. Malicious behavior, an intent to bring harm, slander, speech that brings that to point, like you literally, you murder someone by talking about them. And then dirty language, language that contaminates the speaker. Here's one that you get. Words change situations and relationships often irrevocably. In other words, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will, will hurt you. Words can wound or heal. Words are like a wildfire. They can just kind of feels like you're just throwing something out there and the next thing you know, it just rages. Where it's like seeds scattered by the wind. Sometimes we're so casual with our words, we just throw out stuff. and next thing you know, it's going somewhere. In a world that with social media gossip just kind of continues to go, we have to be more intentional with our words. Verse 9, So then don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And he's giving us language of, hey, our wardrobe has changed. Before Christ, you used to wear these type of clothes to identify yourself. Now in Christ, you have new clothes. You have a new wardrobe. So put those things on. And if you ever put on a suit before or a new dress or something, it, it, it maybe it fits a little bit differently. And you're kind of getting used to it. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this life, it doesn't matter. If you were a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric. And this is um, talking about non-Greeks. They would have the way that they would talk. They would, they would say, hey, you talk like the Peanuts teacher. Y'all remember that? We're like, why, 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 why? Like you just talk and you're just talking nonsense or that you're uncivilized. And this is like savages, slave or free. Why? In this new life, the things that used to define us do not matter. Why? Because Paul tells us Christ is all that matters. When we come into a place like this, it doesn't matter if you're a coach, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher, it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, it doesn't matter if you're homeless, it doesn't matter if you have the biggest house in the county. What matters is we gather together here in Christ. That's what bonds us together. None of the other things that the world says gives us worth and value or the world says lowers your worth and value. None of that matters. All that matters is Christ and that he lives in us. So set your sights on heavenly things daily so that you begin to see yourself through the mirror that God has for us in Christ. Not the way that the world has defined us. None of that matters anymore. Christ is all that matters. Throw off those old clothes. You've heard me tell you this, that I have, I've had a, I had a purple shirt that I loved. And one day I went to go put it on and it was gone. Do You know what? I still function. I don't function as well. You, you know, I still have, but there's, there's clothes that we need to get rid of, right? Some of you, you've gone to second chance and you've seen some of your closet at second chance. And you're like, how did that get there? And you're like, you're, you're tempted to buy it back. And your spouse is like, no, we got rid of this for a reason. Get rid of those old clothes. We each have a responsibility as Christians to investigate the lifelines of whatever sin is defeating you. Hear me. Each one of us in this room struggles with something different. Spend time before the word of God, spend time before him and name it specifically. Paul names specific sins. Each one of us have specific things in our life that we want to get rid of, but we've never named it and we've never done the work to lop it off. Because we always think, well, what if? Well, the what if is you don't need it. Get rid of it. Move on. It's better to lose an eye or an arm or a foot than to die. It's better to walk with a lamp than to die and to live in defeat. So then Paul tells us, he closes out in verses 12 through 17, he closes out with the fruits and habits that when we set our sights on him, we're moving in that direction, that it produces fruit in us. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. So so that's your new identity. God chose you to be holy people that he loves. So when you look in the mirror and you say, hey, I'm not worth this. I don't have this. Maybe write that on your mirror. God chose me and he loves me. That's your new identity. Not the hall of mirrors, but by his mirror. You must clothe yourselves. This is baptism imagery. In the old days, um, even in not too long ago, when someone would get baptized, they would put on like a white robe, right? And that was to represent the fact that they have new clothes. They have a new identity. And so they would have this white robe and whatever. We don't, we, we don't have those here anymore. But it's this imagery of you have new clothes to put on and to wear. And what are these new clothes? Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Maybe put a little asterisk by that and say that looks a lot like Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, patience, self-control, all of those things. That as we focus our hearts on him and we understand our new identity in him is that he loves us and he's chosen us. Then we begin to act like him and to think like him and we're transformed and we begin to love like he did and care for people like he did. We have his type of patience because we realize who we are in Christ. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Look at the person next to you and say, You are messy. Go for it. You are really messy. All right. Here's the deal. Paul is reminding us, Paul is reminding us that there are no perfect people allowed. And so be nice. Most of the time, the first things that we get frustrated in the other person, the reason we get frustrated is because we see our stuff in them. They're marrying back to us, our mess. And so we're like, oh, get it right. How long is it going to take you? And you're literally looking at yourself in the mirror. And God's saying, yeah, exactly. When are you going to get it right? Back off, chief. Give some Grace. That's a bonus too. Verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves then with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. And this is that idea that that you literally as you spend time with Christ as you being transformed that you're marinated. Any of y'all marinated some meat, steak, chicken before, right? You let it there, and what happens? What do you want? You want the flavor to be infused in that, and so that when you eat it, that flavor bursts. This is the idea where Paul is saying, listen, be so marinated in Christ, when life happens, you burst with Jesus. You burst with patience. You burst, burst with kindness. Verse 17. No, actually, we're a little bit more. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom and singing. Give psalms. And this is sing psalms and hymns. This means life should be like a musical. Any of y'all do that? Y'all go around and you start singing. I know at my house it happens quite a bit. Like I know people that are like, hey, um, cleaning is more fun with music. Right? All right. So in other words, we should have joy. Verse 17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. In other words, everywhere you go, if you proclaim the name of Christ, everything you, everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you say, you're saying is I'm doing it as a representative of King Jesus. Unfortunately, in Christ, there's times that we say and do things that are about King Chris, not King Jesus, about my priorities, about my agenda and not his. And so Paul reminds us that as we set our eyes on the heavenly realities and we follow him and we focus and we'll produce fruit from our new perspective, not as caterpillars, but now as Butterflies. We see things differently. We see ourselves differently. We understand the world differently because God has transformed our mind and transformed our thinking. And we don't need these things down here that used to give us worth and value and identity. Now we're up above. Christ has given us a new perspective, and those things that used to give us worth and value, we see them as meaningless. And so now, from our new perspective, we're focused in on Jesus, and we now, because of that, can produce peace, patience kindness, goodness, gentleness, because from our new perspective, we realize, hey, we're human. But through the grace of God, we've been transformed. And we have new appetites, new desires, and a new perspective that once we used to crawl along the ground, but now we can fly the highest of heights because of him and him alone. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this transformation in christ father that sometimes it seems like we're in a cocoon and it's dark and it's a struggle but father even in the darkest of darks that you give us a light a sliver of light and hope and that hope is christ and that father that part of that struggle is because you have bigger and greater things for us you need to transform us and to strengthen us even more than we know and understand so that we can fly to higher heights and to different places we can fly further than what we could ever imagine on our own so father as we begin a new year may we just set a daily reminder to check our hearts to check our lives to check our eyesight according to the mirror of your word and the truths of your word and not against the distorted images of the hall of mirrors that the world gives us for father we are tired of settling for second best we're tired of pursuing things that do not bring complete satisfaction in you we're tired of pursuing things that do not give us the joy that we have in christ father continue to transform our minds transform our thinking and our appetites it's in your son's name that we pray Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.